Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the On the Same Page podcast. I am your host, Daniel, uh, and I'm currently being tempted by a Subway sandwich. Uh, it does smell delicious. I am. I can't help it. Uh, so, some of you heard another voice in the room. As always, I have a guest with me. Today, I have Aaron. Aaron, how are you? I am doing quite well. Good. How I'm, are you, Daniel? Honestly, a little mad about the rain. Oh, yeah. Uh, it mm-hmm. got to the point where it's so bad, I packed a second pair of socks in my book bag. Yeah. Because my shoes are just that thin. So. Yeah, there was a, a tutor coordinator earlier who was walking around with um, with no shoes on because her, her feet had like they had soaked through. So she was like trying to dry out all of her stuff. Because mm-hmm. she walked through a puddle that was, you know, like eight inches deep. And I had to, I had to like <laughs> pull over a puddle just to get the mm-hmm. subway. Um, no, but other than that, I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had... Mark was like the first person I interviewed, but Aaron is another one of the quote-unquote head honchos here at the uh, writing <laughs> center. Aaron, do you enjoy being a quote-unquote head honcho? I do enjoy being a head honcho, uh, mostly because I, I just get to be around um, you guys so much. Um, all, all you guys are just so cool. Um, working with students is, is what I love to do. So, um, And we, we get some of the best ones here in the writing center. So. Aww. Oh, <laughs> I feel like I'm being bribed for something. What do you want? There is a sandwich in the room, and you have the rights to it. So, yeah. <laughs> for those of you who can't see, I slid the sandwich towards Aaron. Yeah. Uh, so today is kind of an important topic. Uh, it's something that definitely you want to talk about. It's something that Absolutely. I wanted to address. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was back a while ago we planned this, but we kind of got on the topic of linguistic discrimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see that you have a lot of sources with you. Yeah, so um, this is for like further reading if anybody wants to kind of dive into this subject a oh, absolutely. further because it's it's really kind of like uh, Pandora's box. You sort of open it, and then like the deeper that you dive, the more you see. Gotcha. You know? mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on why this is so important, especially in a writing center yeah. uh, area. In a writing center context, yeah. So. What's really interesting about a writing center context in particular is that um, we are in this kind of weird liminal space um, when it comes to language, in that we have, you know, kind of some level of authority, but also um, that, that's granted to us by the institution and by the students um, to talk about language in, in ways that is, is kind of, can be formative, can really frame the ways that language um, is reacted to by students, the ways that the students view language. Um, but also, we are in many ways subjugated by the institution because of the place that we're being put kind of in between the student and oftentimes a professor. Um, that's not always the case with our writing center because we, we're open to the community as well. So another you know, large percentage of our work is, is not in that kind of mediated space. It's, it's a you know, kind of more pure uh, collaborative effort, you know. Um, with, without that sort of the, those other kinds of mediating forces, there's or of course this social mediating forces, right. but you don't have the 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 wishes of the professor kind of mm-hmm. um, you know in in that conversation as well. Um, yeah. So that's one of the reasons because we're that that kind of space that we get to talk about language in very honest terms, mm-hmm. and we are kind of a a locus and sort of a middle ground and a flex point. Um, for students' uses of language. Um, that's one of the reasons why it's so important for writing centers. Right. It's, it is definitely a tricky situation. I've had instances where 
I'm caught between a rock and a hard place where I have, on one side, their language is correct, but on the other hand, I can acknowledge that their professor may not acknowledge it yeah. as much as they should. Yeah. So it is very, it is a hard, it's a tightrope. It really yeah. is. So just in general, can I get your thoughts kind of on that discrimination and how? Yeah. So um, there's... What, what really is, is kind of going on in many of those kind of tightrope, uh, rock and a hard place kind of situations is that um, whenever we talk about the word grammar, mm -hmm. for instance, um, we use that as kind of a monolith. But um, a lot of people within fields of uh, writing centers, composition, and linguistics have recognized that when we use the word grammar, we could really be talking about up to about five different things. Um, so a few of them that are kind of really important to recognize are Grammar one, which is simply whether the things that we say in a structured way can be understood by another native speaker of that language. So that's called, so um, for for you people listening out there and for you, Daniel, as well, this, yeah. this is coming from Hartwell's Grammar, Grammars, and the Teaching of Grammar. So that's that's an article. You can look it up. Um, it's it's um, freely accessible, I believe, through Mary University's databases. I believe I read that one, but I'm not certain. Yeah, I think we read it in the class. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's grammar two, which, um, that is linguistic grammar. So that is taking that used grammar that is experiential and lived in real life and trying to codify it and trying to recognize in descriptive ways the things that are occurring in it. So like listening to language and trying to say, okay, these are the patterns, and we're recording those patterns. All right, so the, you get terms thrown around, um, things like passive voice and active voice, things like, you know, direct objects and, you know, direct, um, uh, crap, um, definite article and indefinite article. All those are linguistic terms meant to describe the portions of the grammar in ways that words interact and the ways that language interacts in real life. Yeah. So that's that's grammar two. Grammar three is what's called prescriptive grammar. So that is where you have someone coming in and saying that, you know, active voice is better than passive voice, <laughs> right? So really, in, in terms of communicative effectiveness, dependent on the situation, one could be more effective than another. But um, some people will come in and say that active voice is always better. Does that make sense? Right. It's um, kind of typical. Even yeah. in like Microsoft Word, if it says you use passive voice, it underlines yeah. it and says consider revising. Yeah, Microsoft Word is actually a great example of the kind of um, systematization of that grammar, those grammar three principles. So we now have not only you know people who are espousing these these grammar three principles and and kind of putting their preferences into action upon not only themselves, but upon other people. Um, but we now have institutions and systems, such as Microsoft Word, that are, that are kind of doing the same, the same things. Right. So that's really, that's a great example. It's kind of an embodiment of that, that Grammar 3 in action. So, uh, Sometimes it's, it is so annoying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and many times it's just straight up wrong. Right, um, so there's there's this example that I really like the difference between affect and effect, and there's a shift happening in the language, where it used to be that 
affect, affect mm. was the verb, and effect was like cause and effect. Mm. Like that's the noun form. Now it's shifting where effect is sort of taking up more and more ground. And this is this is documented by by multiple linguists, um, taking up more and more ground in the language. And affect, so that version, they're really pronounced the same way, but mm. I'm just to be clear, yeah, just, just be clear, because it's a podcast. You're not. I was gonna say we don't have a picture <laughs> of A, B, or pointing into different ones. Um, but um, affect is taking up less and less real estate in the language. Is kind of starting to be relegated to the realm of emotions. It's so like affectations, um, okay. and affective. You know, the affective domain. Gotcha. You know, um, and you you'll get some programs that will you know like Grammarly, for instance. Um, always tells me that effect is, is wrong in, in a verb form every single time. And I always ignore it um, because I know that most of the time in the real world, in that grammar one, um, if we were just allowed to kind of do our thing without that kind of constraint, um, then we would be using effect right. more often. And I'm, I'm, I just want to let that happen. Yeah. All right. Uh this might be like the last thing. I think we need to wrap up pretty soon. Okay. But uh, is there anything else that you kind of want to mention? Uh, anything about kind of combating this uh, discrimination? Any kind of resources people might want in case they want to look further into this? Because you mentioned it is a Pandora's box. So yeah, it's a uh, yeah. We could literally talk about this for the next three hours, and we wouldn't even scratch the surface. Um, I have class. So. Yeah. <laughs> but there there are some um, really cool resources that you can check out. Um, for instance, um, there is uh, this kind of ongoing discussion uh, about um, writers and speakers using their own English um, in various social situations, whether that's appropriate. Um, and this conversation um, has has multiple, you know, fr multiple frameworks, uh, multiple voices that all have like lots of merit. Um, but a few that um, I kind of want to highlight. Um, are Vershana Shanti Young, um, Lee Tanucci, and uh, Victoria Purcell Gates. Um, Lee Tanucci works um, almost exclusively in Hawaiian pidgin, um, so um, the, that's a whole other box why it's called pidgin, mm -hmm. right? Um, as opposed to Creole or language. But um, then uh, Vershana Shanti Young um, works very much with Black English. Um, he actually. Um, co-authored along with uh, several other authors a book with one of uh, my professors over at IUPUI um, okay. called Other People's English. Um, and then uh, Victoria Purcell Gates um, works very much with the um, subliterate populations in Appalachia. Um, so there's um, kind of a, um, a textual illiterate group of people who um, she's studying why that continues to happen even though there are attempts made continually from both within and without the community um, to gain literacy and about the kind of systematic nature of this illiteracy that's kind of being perpetuated from places outside the community, in some cases very particularly in educational institutions. Um, NCTE, the National Council of Teachers of English, has a statement on students' use of their own language, that students' rights to their own language. That's a really um, important statement um, that anybody who teaches any kind of writing should really check out. Um, and then um, one of uh, my favorite um, authors, speakers, linguists, um, John McWhorter has a 
book called Talking Back, Talking Black, and then a podcast called Lexicon Valley, both of which are pretty phenomenal, um, often talk about how to kind of conceptualize black English, which very much has its own rules and systems within um, within its, its functioning that, that function in some ways uh, in superior meaning-making ways to standard English um, and why he believes that they have um, a very rightful place um, in both academia and the world writ large. Um, so those are Lee Tanucci, The State of Pitch and Address, um, Rishana Shantiyang, Should Writer Use, use Their Own English, um, Victoria Purcell Gates, As Soon As She Opened Her Mouth, NCTE's Students' Rights to Their Own Language, Talking Back, Talking Black, and Lexicon Valley by uh, Mr. John McWhorter, incredibly um, well-published linguist. All right, awesome. Yeah. So uh, I think that's it for today. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to throw in before I sign off here? Just like a... Yeah, just uh, kind of one last thing. Um, linguistic discrimination in many ways is kind of one of those... Um, I mean, discrimination exists in, in many, many types, but this is one of the kind of last remaining widely socially accepted forms of discrimination. Like you, you go out online and you'll see that, you know, somebody writes this incredibly eloquent, you know, um, defense of, you know, some topic and then somebody will comment online, nothing but changing Y-O-U-R to Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Of course. You know, um, so that is seen as like, oh, taken down, you know. <laughs> Um, so the, like the, those, like those kind of things are really indicative of kind of the, the ways that this is so ingrained in our society. Right. Um, and why we need people like, um, Tanucci, Shanti Young, Purcell Gates, and John McWhorter to continue doing what they're doing. Right. All right. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. This is awesome. Thank you for having me, uh, Daniel. I finally get to eat my sandwich. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go get some food too. I'm starving. Definitely mm -hmm. do that. Uh, <laughs> Well, I think that's it for today. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope to, well, not see you guys soon. This is a podcast, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. You all have a fantastic day.